thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. Good. It's, uh, it's a bit sticky, isn't it? Those for the Philippines, is it a bit like being home? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm told they've got more breeze than us, though, apparently. So uh, there we go. But uh, today, uh, we're not going to do Ecclesiastes. Some of you will be very glad. But uh, I like things to be simple because I'm a simple person, yeah, yeah. And uh, there's a saying in many places that is easy to remember with an acronym that is KISS, okay? So you've heard the acronym KISS, yeah? Keep it simple, stupid, okay? So that's helpful because actually simple means you remember it. So often we can make things so complicated with words, can't we? Why use a few when there's hundreds at our disposal? Do you know, some researchers have suggested that the average person in the UK speaks 7,000 words a day. So uh, my mum always said I was above average, so that's good. Uh, Some of us will use a lot more, and we know who we are. Some a lot less. Aaron's a quiet lad, so. Another piece of research has stated that women tend to use a lot more words each day than men. Don't shoot the messenger, okay? It was research that was done, and actually it was found that, um, sorry, one of the most interesting pieces of research that was done was the fact that it was found that in all those thousands of words we use, only between 500 and 700 of them can be classed as important and valuable to those we communicate with. That's not a lot, is it? Between 500 and 700 words. I've already used at least 150 words already. Yes, I was sad enough to count them, okay? So it's not a lot, but we start a new series today. Thank you, Naomi, for some great graphics again. And uh, this new series is about some of the really simple messages that Jesus said, that actually we should remember, that we should hold on to, and actually Jesus kept it simple. And we need to remember the key principles of what he came to share before he died. Jesus made it easy to remember. We're going to look at some of the messages he left for all of us. And actually, one of my suggestions is, who struggles learning Bible verses? Anyone? Okay. Well, if we keep it in groups of four simple words, then we might remember them, yeah? So that's the principle that we're looking at. Memorize bits of the Bible and learn the key messages of Jesus by simply thinking about the four simple words. So we're going to read from Matthew chapter 11. Verses 25 to 30. I'm reading from the NIV. The verses should come up on the screen behind because Ewan is fantastically doing the projection this morning. It could be you. (laughs) So, Matthew 11, 25 to 30. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you are pleased to do. 
All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Okay, short passage this morning, much easier than a chapter of Ecclesiastes. But what do we need to know from this? What do we need to know? I've cheated a little bit, but we'll come back to that in a minute. Just before this, Jesus has been lambasting the areas that he's been into who have just ignored his message. They've seen miracles. They've seen him do incredible things. They've heard what he's had to say, and they've just gone, yeah. A bit like some of us on a Sunday morning. They've heard what he's had to say. They've seen amazing things. They've seen transformation. And yet, they've just gone. And some of you are looking at me in exactly the same way. So, Jesus says this. This is the message version of what he says. Maybe some of us need to hear this. Matthew 11, verse 20, in the message version, says this. Next, Jesus let fly on the cities where he had worked the hardest, but whose people had responded the least, shrugged their shoulders, and go in their own way. So just before Jesus prays this prayer and says these four simple words, he has a right go, mainly at some areas where there's a lot of religious people. And he says, you've just shrugged your shoulders. You've just looked at me like, huh? I know how he feels. Okay. Jesus was desperate for everyone to hear his message. He was desperate for every single person to hear the good news. Why? He wanted them to see God's glory. He wanted them to see God's hand. He wanted to be part. He wanted them to be part of the kingdom. We've sung this morning, open the eyes of my heart, Lord, that I might see you. Because many of us have got scales on our eyes. Many of us are, are struggling to see Jesus in our everyday Places that saw miracles with their own eyes and were amazed at the truth they heard still just shrugged their shoulders and carried on as if nothing had happened. Is that us? Is that us? Do you know, I believe many of us can forget the amazing God moments in our lives if we're not careful, can't we? We can forget the things that God has already done. You know, the fact that you are in this building is a miracle. Not just you personally, the fact that we as a church are in this building is a miracle. The very fact that we were able to buy it, to develop it, to journey with it, to come here and then take on people to pay to be workers is incredible. I spoke to a woman from the council this week who wants to come and have a meeting about possibly something. I won't share it now because it's on the live stream. But she said, so how did you do it? I said, I don't know was the answer. She said, was it just funded from, through the church and stuff? I said, well, pretty much. I said, we had a few grants, but generally speaking, yeah. And she just could not believe it. Having been in this building quite a few times for meetings, she was just blown away. And yet we as a church sit here every week and just go, oh, a bit of a cobweb up there. Oh, oh, there's this there. Oh, and we pick fault. Yet people come in and go, wow. And we can say God is good. We can say that God is good. You know, many of us forget the amazing God moments in our lives. And that's why Jesus left us with the simplicity of bread and wine. The simplicity. The fact that it was just to remember him. To remember him. To keep remembering him. Because we forget. 
So he lambasts these places and then suddenly he breaks into prayer. We've read the verses. I'm going to read them again in the message version because I think they probably become clearer. He suddenly says this prayer, Matthew 11:25 to 26 in the message. Abruptly, Jesus broke into prayer. So he's been having a go, getting a bit... And then what does he do? He prays and he says, Thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You've concealed your ways from sophisticates and know-it-alls, but you've spelled them out clearly to ordinary people. Yes, Father, that's the way you like to work. God isn't complicated. And I think that's why some people struggle, because they want to have every I dotted, every T crossed. But God isn't complicated. He makes it clear to children. Dan spoke last week about his child on a flight who was not worried in the slightest. Because actually children have that simple trust. And actually that's what we need. God is not dependent on how clever we are. Does that make you pleased? Yeah? Katie was cheating in the quiz at the ladies' night last night. And um, she only asked me for one answer. Can I just say? No, she did. You only asked me for one answer. And then she said, will you come to a quiz with me, a pub quiz with us sometimes because I'm not very clever. I said, no, it's not about being clever. It's just about knowing the rubbish information. I said, if I was asked questions about Ariana Grande, I'd be useless, whereas Katie would be a genius. So it's not about being clever on a quiz. But God is not dependent on how clever we are. He's not dependent on how talented we are. Does that make you feel better? Some of, you, some of you are still doing the shrugging shoulders things. Come on, come on, wake you, wake you, wake you. I know it's hot. I'll have you jumping up and down in a minute and doing something to get, wake you up. He's not dependent, in fact, on us at all. But we need to be dependent on him. And that's what he asks, the simplicity. His promise is that if we seek him, we will find him. That's his promise. If we seek him, we will find him. But often we've talked to that faith. So Jesus then returns to talking to the people after his prayer. And here is our four simple words today. I've cheated because there's actually five. But maths wasn't my strong point, obviously. So the four are the most important. Matthew 11, 28 says this. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you. I will give you. Now, Jesus says that over and over. I will give you eternal life. I will give you freedom. I will give you rest. So I will give you is a key part of Jesus' message. I will give you. Let's quickly analyze those words, those four simple words. I will give you. I. That's personal. Would you agree? It's personal. It means, you know, I can be seen as a selfish thing. I want. I feel. I know. I need. I could tell you a funny story about Joel and our German friend, but I won't at this point. But if you want to know it, I'll tell you later. Just because it, it was quite funny, it was a case of mistranslation. Because in German, I want is ich will, ich will. So she used a phrase in English that translated very, very badly when Joel was saying when he was little, I want, I want. And she said something that she needed, he needed to put something away. It was put your want away, but it didn't come out like that. Anyway. Some of you are there. But anyway, Jesus is talking. <laughs> Jesus, the Son of God, has just been despairing about people not recognising him as who he was meant to be recognised as, not recognising him as the one that was promised, and he says, I. That's him. Jesus was not just a good man. If he was, he was a liar. Because he is saying, I. Not selfishly, but selflessly. 
I, Jesus says I, personal to you, to me, to the whole planet, I, I. I for us can be selfish, but it's at his personal expense, it's his personal sacrifice, I. He's got to do this. That's exciting, isn't it? Jesus, the Messiah, the, the Son of God, he's got to do this. I for us can be selfish, but Jesus is selfless. Peter stated in Acts chapter 4 verse 12, after being arrested and effectively put on trial by the Jewish leaders for healing somebody, Peter states this in Acts chapter 4 verse 12. He says, there is salvation in no one else. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. That's bold, isn't it? Dan talked about boldness last week. I thought he was talking about boldness quite a lot, but he talked about boldness. And he says, there is no salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. That's Peter having been arrested for healing somebody. He doesn't go, oh, I'm sorry. I won't do it again. He can't keep himself quiet because he personally has met Jesus. He personally has experienced Jesus. He's personally been used by Jesus to heal somebody. And he says, there is no other. And at that point, you've got to remember, the authorities have crucified Jesus for saying the same thing. Does Peter shy away? No. Because he knows it's the I am. It's the I of God that will. So the first simple word, I, is personal. Then it's will. Do you know, when we experience the death of a loved one, the biggest issue can be the will, can't it? Somebody said that they missed the opportunity to call it a dead giveaway, but that's by the by. Um, but the will can cause so much of an issue because the will is what that person wants to give. The will is what person... Unfortunately, when we see the will, it's what we want that becomes big. And that's why it becomes such an issue. But the will is what they want. Jesus says, I will. It's personal. It's what he wants. Who does he want it for? You, 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 you and me. I will. He wants this for all of us. It's personal and it's a promise. No doubt about it. If you say, I will, that's a guarantee, isn't it? Yeah? I'm, I can't wait till it's cold in here and you're all going, oh, turn the heating on. We've got to, I know it's hot. It, it's hard. Encourage, come on. Have any of us here been asked to do something and we've said, yeah, I will, yeah? Anyone been asked to do something and said, I will, and then not done it? Yeah, but roughly the same amount of people, interestingly. Actually, Jesus, you know, Jesus says, I will. We forget or we think we might have more time or maybe we just don't want to. But Jesus says, I will, and it's his promise that he will. He will. He will. And it's what he wants. The third word, give. I will give. We've got I, personal. We've got bit, will, promise. We've got give, provision. He's got to provide. He's got to provide for us. Do you know, a gift is a wonderful thing to receive sometimes, isn't it? The giver is important. Yeah, you like gifts. Yeah, thanks, Faith. We're getting into this now. I'm seeing the, I'm seeing the people who are working the hardest now thinking, I'm going to sweat this morning. I've got a sweat in this building just to make sure Johnny doesn't go off the planet. I've had a really hard week this week. I'm going to... Anyway, don't. So I'm looking for some affirmation. 
Oh, it's like, I, I'm not really. Please don't. Please don't. No. That's not about me. We've prayed that. We've prayed that before the service. It's not about us. It's about him. The giver is usually really important, isn't it? The gift's good, but the giver is really important. Yeah? I have been blessed by all sorts over the years by people from this very church. I've been blessed with people's time, practical gifts. I've been blessed with food. Someone made us an amazing meal once. Well, we've had a few. Some people keep inviting us back. We never say no to a food invite, I'll tell you that now. Or at times, even financial gifts that have really helped and blessed. We've been for meals with parents or friends. And at the end, there's a bit of a discussion. Have you ever been out for a meal with somebody and you get to the end and someone goes, I'll get it. Yeah? And then you go, no, 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 I'll get it. And then it becomes this argument about who's got to pay. Maybe the Americans are doing, maybe you're quite happy with that. British, we're like, no, we can't do that. We've got to be polite. No, I'm going to pay. No, I'm going to pay. And then you sneak off and pay for it when, when you say you're going to the toilet or something like that. Yeah? Have you been in that situation? Yeah, where you just desperately, you know, sometimes it is so hard to accept the offer of a gift, isn't it? Because you just think, well, that's not right. They shouldn't be paying. I'll pay my way. I don't want to be, you know, because they might pay for a meal for me and then say, right, now you've got to do this for me. We don't want that, do we? We don't want blackmail. But so hard, it is really difficult sometimes to accept the offer of provision, isn't it? But what does Jesus say? I will give. But we've got to accept it. We can say, I will give, but if someone turns around and goes, no, 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 you're all right, I'll pay my own way, thank you very much. Then actually, the giver is still offering. We've got to receive. Jesus' promise is provision. It isn't earned, it's not strived for. It is given without any catch or expectation. It is grace, it is free. I will give. My grace is enough. Freely given, whether we receive and accept it or try and pay the bill for ourselves. And let me tell you this, we can't pay the debt that we owe. We cannot pay the debt that we owe. Only he can. There is no other name by which we can be saved. There is no other name than Jesus. I will give. The fourth simple word today is you. Again, it becomes personal. It's from I, Jesus, to you, Joe Bloggs. Is there any Joe Bloggs? Everyone says, has anyone heard anyone called Joe Bloggs? No? Why do we use it? There must be a reason. It becomes personal. Another four words that Jesus speaks here which helps us receive the promise. I will give you. That's really important. I will give you. But there's another four words that come before it. Can you see we're going to be able to learn bits of the Bible just in four-word chunks here? Before he says, I will give you, he says, come to me all. Come to me all. Come to me all. I'm not cheating there. He says, come to me. You've got to make a move. You've got to do something. You can't just sit there and expect it to fall on your lap. You, you, you've, got to, you've got to do something. Come to me all. I will give you. Come to me all, I will give you. If my kids have ever wanted something, then they've come to me, well, well, I say they've come to me. In fairness, they go to Roz, because I always say, why and what's it for? Roz just goes, yeah. When Joel was living in Gloucester, be like, can I, can I, I need, I need some money for this. I'd be like, why? You've got a job. And then he'd phone Roz, 
And she'd be like, yeah. But you know what? He's paid us back, so it's okay. <laughs> you know, Roz would graciously give. Those, though they knew they had to come to her. If they came to Roz, she would graciously give. I'm just stingy and mean. That's right, isn't it? Amen. Yeah, okay. Do you know, we've seen people come and go from this church who have tried to help, but they have had to come to us and then simply stop. Sometimes they simply stop coming. Do you know, as a church, we have people who come to us, which is amazing, isn't it? How many churches are trying to go out on the streets to drag people to come and be, you know, to come and be involved? We get people coming to us. But actually, we've got tiny resources. Don't come to us, come to him. That's what Jesus says. Come to me all, and I will give you. So, what's he going to give you? Because that's the big key in it. When somebody's going to give you something, you want to know what it is. You want to know, what's he going to give me? In this passage, it says, I will give you rest. Who would love a rest right now? Okay. Someone came to me before the service and said they'd love to do something for me. And Rosa said a cruise would be really nice. <laughs> they were thinking of a meal. I'm like, meal's okay. But two weeks of meals on a cruise, even better. Yeah. But, you know, our resources are, are, are tiny. Jesus' resources are unlimited. And he still asks you to come to him. He's not just going to go, here's the door open, step in when you want. He wants you to come to him. Because it's personal. It's a relationship. What's he going to give you? He's going to give you rest. In other places in the Bible, it's I will give you life to the full. In other places in the Bible, he says, I will give you peace. In other places, he says, I will give you joy. I will give you love. Or I will give you power from received by the Holy Spirit. But we need to remember that it's personal from him to us. And he wants to promise the provision that he gives. But... As I did this sermon this week, I found another four words in the same passage. And these are the four words it goes on to say. He says, first of all, he says, come to me all. Then he says, I will give you. And then he says, my yoke is easy. And then he says, my burden is light. Four simple words. And yet there's so much in all of them. Do you know, I have been on more spa days in the last 12 months than I have in the whole of my life. I think partly because the kids got married and they went to spa days for hen parties and things, and Ross is like, oh, that was nice, let's go again. If anyone wants to know the best spa experience in the Lake District, probably see Joel and Naomi or, or Ross and Chloe. I only got to go to a couple, I didn't get to do the whole thing. But actually, I love spending a few hours removed from the busyness of life. I've loved sitting in that boiling hot tub of other people's dirt. It's great. It really helps me to relax. When I know they've been in that sauna sweating away and then they get in the tub and it's all floating on the surface, you know. If it stops you all going for spa days, there's more space for me. Yes. I loved it. But you know, a spa day is time limited. You get two hours. Two hours to escape from the world for a little bit, relax, enjoy, and then you're straight back out again. Joe, is Jesus, proming, is Jesus promising that sort of ease and escape when he says, I will give you rest? Is that what he's promising? 
that sort of ease of life. No. He actually says elsewhere that in this world you will have trouble. But he goes on to say, my yoke is easy. And as I finish, there's three points to make about those four simple words that help us understand the type of rest that Jesus promises. What is the yoke? The yoke isn't to do with an egg, okay? It's the wooden bar that went across two oxen so that they could work as a team. So the first point is this. The yoke shows us we can't do it on our own. The yoke tells us we can't do it on our own. If in life you're trying to do it on your own, then you are pulling an impossible weight towards an impossible destination. Because you can't do it on your own. The yoke means that you're going to be teamed up, that two of people together or two oxen together are going to be able to pull that plow, are going to be able to drive that weight, are going to be able to do what was impossible for you on your own. So the yoke, first of all, tells us, on my own, I can't measure up. It shows that two in partnership get the job done. Remember what Jesus has already done. He's gone to places and said, you've not listened. You've seen miracles and you've not listened. You've heard my truth and you've not listened. You're shrugging your shoulders. And then he said, come to me or I will give you rest. But the rest still involves work. It still involves life. But the yoke tells us with him alongside us, we can do the impossible. Second thing it shows us is that Jesus does measure up. Firstly, we don't measure up. But secondly, Jesus does measure up. Why? I discovered this. The two oxen that were joined together would be different. They wouldn't be the same. One of them was a very experienced leader guide type oxen. He knew it all. He'd been there before. He'd gone through that way. And he was there to show the inexperienced and perhaps fresh-faced oxen how to do it. So actually, the two oxen would be yoked. One experienced, one that was a guide, one that would lead. Do you know, this morning, Jesus is and was the experienced Son of God who says, I will guide you. I will lead you. Just come to me all. Be yoked with me. And I measure up so you don't have to. Do you know, a lot of people think it's about trying your hardest to be good, about trying your hardest not to give in, about trying more and more things that will help you be, be more holy. But Jesus says, no, come to me and I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. It's not about your striving. You just need to come to me. Be yoked with me so we can work together, so we can walk through this life together. We can plow the fields together. Do you know, Jesus earned the right to be that leader, the one whose credentials will get the job done. Jesus measures up. The third thing that the yoke shows is that together with Jesus, we can rest from trying to achieve salvation and that with Jesus, we are accepted. He wants to be joined with us. He wants to be in partnership with us. And he wants to make things easier because he's alongside us guiding us. His yoke is easy. Do you know, it's still a working relationship. We may get weary at times. If I said, who's weary today, I'm sure there'd be quite a lot of hands up. But 
We don't need to be tired out from striving to please through our own efforts. We just need to come to him all. We need to be connected to him. As I totally finish this morning, I love the way the message translation finishes this passage because it's full of four simple words. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30 in the message says it this way. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. First of all, get away with me. If you're feeling tired, burned out, or weary on religion, if you're finding life tough, what does Jesus say? Get away with me. And, oh, another four words. You'll recover your life. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. Oh, the next words are another four. Can you see what's happening here? Jesus says, I'll show you how. I'll show you how. Get away with me. You'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do. Oh, there's another four. Watch how I do. Look at Jesus. He's the ultimate example of life and freedom and fullness. He's the ultimate guide to being gracious. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. There's three lots of four to finish. Here we go. Keep company with me. Keep company with me. Next four. And you'll learn to. Next four. Live freely and lightly. If I said, who wants to live freely and lightly this morning? The answer is, come to me all, and I will give you rest. Jesus is making it personal today. He's making a promise today. He's saying he will provide a gift of eternal grace and life. Today, he's saying he will give you. He will give you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and me. He will give you what you need, what he wants to give you, what he promised then and promises still. What's our response we just need to come to him come to him get away with him spend time with him be connected and yoked to him and learn from him Amen. the band could come up Just before we sing and before we invite people to pray, um, as we were worshipping earlier and as, um, as I was preparing this, Jesus is talking to people and he goes from lambasting those that haven't listened to being gentle to those that are. And this morning I believe he's saying to each one of us, you can measure up. I'm not asking you to put your hands up this morning, but I believe God wants to say to those of us who think we're not good enough, those of us who think we're never going to be good enough, that we don't measure up, that there's nothing that we can do, nothing that we can give, that actually we try and try and try and try, and yet still we find it, it doesn't work. 
I think God is saying to you this morning, it's not about the trying. It's about the coming to me. It's about the getting away with me. It's about the listening to me. It's about the looking to me. It's about accepting that yoke to be led by me. This morning, if that is you, if you feel that you've just not been good enough, I'm going to ask you to go to the prayer team while we worship. Don't think that anybody will look at you and go, oh, that's terrible. Do you know that is a brave thing, but also that's a strength because you're saying, yeah, I'm going to go to Jesus through the prayer team. I'm going to listen to Jesus. I could just do it where we stand where we are, but I don't want to do that this morning because I think it's hard for the prayer team to get around you. But as we worship, as we finish this service this morning, I believe God is saying specifically to some people this morning, those people who just say, I'm not good enough, who've always felt never been good enough, I believe that God wants to really pour out his heart on you this morning. And one of the ways we do that is by praying for each other. So as we worship, if that's you, go to the prayer team.